Tolerance. The second one had eczema and an, a dairy allergy. Um, and by the third one, I thought I've just got to sort my body out um, and uh, have a, you know, a better pregnancy um, and um, recover from the antibiotics I had to have in labour because I had Greek B strep um, from pregnancy. And that really inspired me to then, you know, delve into the books and and start studying. Wow. Okay. So there was a lot going on already for you at that point. And I mean, did you know about nutritional therapy? Was it something that had crossed your radar at that point? So um, not really, but I I found the book, first of all, on on allergies that I read kind of from cover to cover. And then I got into kind of Patrick Holford books, which were probably at the time, um, you know, late 90s, probably one of the the most accessible books that were out there that were readable. And, you know, going to bed at night, it wasn't reading a fiction book. I was was reading Patrick Holford books. And and obviously he started the, the Institute for Optimal Nutrition. I realized they did a course and and when I got pregnant with my third child I thought right that's my plan I'm going to spend the next 4 years once she's a year old um studying and and that's what I did Wow. So anybody just joining us, uh, apologies, Laura, just to let everybody know at the very top of the yes. show, um, we weren't quite live and we are live now. So anybody okay. just joining us, we've got Laura with us. Um, she is a registered nutritional therapist and runs a Berkshire based practice. She's also a thyroid cancer survivor. So we're talking about Laura's inspiration for studying nutritional therapy. But also, um, Laura, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, obviously you set yourself up as a nutritional therapist and you're dealing with clients on a day to day basis. But then you have your own health struggle. Can you tell me a little bit about 
you know, how you came across your own health issue and how you were able to diagnose it. Were you able to diagnose it yourself? Did it take a third party? Tell me a little bit about that, how that came about. Yeah, sure. So summer of 2015, um, I noticed a lump kind of on the top of my collarbone. Um, And, you know, you sort of think, well, maybe it's a lymph node. Maybe it's just, you know, I'm fighting something. But it it was sort of the size of a golf ball, I suppose. Wow. Um, So, so yes, I sort of, and, you know, occasionally I wouldn't notice it. Occasionally I would. And and so it took me till um, October going to the doctors for something else as you do, uh, to say as I'm walking out, oh, by the way, I've got this lump. Um, and, and he examined my neck and said, okay, well, we need to send you for a scan. But didn't feel it was anything urgent because when um, he did my thyroid bloods, um, so if anyone's familiar with thyroid, that's TSH and T4 and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. When he did those, they were all normal. Um, so he was like, well, we just need to get it checked. But, you know, there's no urgency. So end of January, I got... Uh, finally got a, a scan um, and the, the guy who did the scan was amazing. Um, they do what they call a fine needle aspiration. So they put a tiny, tiny needle into the lump and take some cells out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he could see on the ultrasound that it had its own blood supply um, and, you know, it was three centimetres in diameter. Wow. Um, they, was he talking I, you through this while you were yes, in the room? Yes, he was. He was, yes. So, you know, um, you kind of think you have to wait for results. But actually, he pretty much told me there and then that it was cancer. Wow. Um, but obviously, he did the, the fine needle. Um, and, and that wasn't conclusive because obviously they're trying to find the right cells within that area. Yeah. Um, so first uh, of March, I had what they call a hemi uh, thyroidectomy. So in other words, I had half of, because it's like a butterfly, the thyroid yes. in the neck. So I had half of my thyroid out. And for some people, that, that can be everything taken and gone and they can leave the other half. Um, so they took that out, but they felt that the, you know, this sphere of three centimetres had prop- possibly breached its capsule. In other words, it could have spread. Um, but they weren't sure. So a month later, I had the same operation again. Um, it's a very small cut in my neck. It's probably two inches in width. So it's very tiny. I'm very lucky. Um, and they took the other half out. And fortunately for me, the other half didn't have any cancer in it. So they felt, therefore, it hadn't spread anywhere else in my body. And for me, that was the end of my treatment. I didn't have to have radioactive iodine that some people have to have. Um, but I still had to get over not having a thyroid, which I have to say, looking back, was was pretty tough. Yeah, that's that's quite something. And I mean, tell me a little bit about the the fact that your TSH was normal, your T3 was normal, your T4 was normal. Do you know why that was normal? Because that's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? You do your bloods. That's really the yeah. first line screening for most people. And if something... It, it is. Yeah. So how, how well, was that well, normal I, with you? Is that quite common? Well, I, I would say because it's a cancer, it's not the thyroid generating like a goiter or a, or a mm. nodule. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a cancer that's sitting in the thyroid. So I think that's why. Um, and I think that's therefore misleading because we assume that the thyroid measurements are going to be going a little bit crazy at the same time. Yeah, but actually it's um, not the case if the thyroid is still no. functioning. It's just functioning with exactly. a cancer on it. Makes yeah. sense. And um, I mean, how? just out of interest, I'm sure you've done your uh, analysis of all of this, but I mean, how common is thyroid cancer? I, I think it's actually becoming more common. 
And um, why? And that, that, yeah, why would that be? Well, again, it's it's really difficult to say. It could be, you know, a bit like when you buy a new car and then you, every car you look at is your is your yeah. car. <laughs> um, I, I don't know whether just because I'm in that world, I now notice more people, and I'm in forums where people are joining it with it. Um, but so I haven't looked at the most recent figures, but I think it is on the increase in the same way as brain tumors have doubled the number incidents. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, and I, I think one of the hardest things. Um, which someone commented on on your post on on Facebook is trying to understand where you got it from. Yeah, I mean, what are the risk factors for thyroid cancer? Well, you know, I, I think um, I think this is the hardest bit. We want we want to know why we got it, mm. and I think for some of us, we'll never we'll never know. Um, when I look back, I'd been through two or three years of really bad stress. Yeah, um, my, my marriage was you know verging on breaking up we've been through quite a lot of financial difficulties um and i look back and i think possibly that stress level um which then affects your immune system which then affects your ability to kill cancer cells quite possibly had a part to play um and increases inflammation and things like that in the body um and also um iodine um so when i look at my 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 whole body (laughs) um i also had fibroids uh-huh. Um, and two or three quite large fibroids. And they also like iodine. Mm. Um, and um, the, there is a link between um, ovarian cysts, breast lumps, so not breast cancer, but breast lumps, fibroids and breast and thyroid cancer, all requiring iodine. And, and my daughter had been diagnosed with a fish allergy. Right. Um, so we weren't eating a lot of iodine rich foods in the house yeah because of that and i wasn't thinking that i needed to supplement with iodine because it's not really one we kind of focus in on is it it's, it's kind of normally just a trace that yeah, you need yeah um but i guess if you have fibroids that also are taking iodine um you know that there is a relationship between low iodine and a higher incidence of thyroid cancer Wow, that's an, and this is the point, right? I think this came up last week when we were talking about what nutritional therapy is by comparison yeah. to other things. But here yeah. you are talking about fibroids in relation to breast lumps in relation to thyroid. Three, yeah. what we would consider from a medical standpoint, separate areas of the body, but yeah. all linked by a common factor. And I think that is the power right there, isn't it? You've, you've identified, Absolutely. I'm not suggesting like one, you know, one thing is like the, the total cure-all. It's not, right? But it is something that is really interesting to look at patterns where there may be some deficiencies or some areas that could be addressed that relate to multiple areas of the body everything's linked the human body by very it's very nature well, completely, is connected. <laughs> completely and you know i have had a client who had you know when you when you take your health history with someone you're going right back aren't you just in terms of what everything that body is being through you're not just looking at what's presenting and she'd had you know um, ovarian cysts um in her 20s she'd had um a partial thyroidectomy from 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 a thyroid growth she'd had uh later on fibroids and she was starting to get breast lumps mm. um and i just said to her we really need to do some iodine testing just to see whether you you know whether you need more because all of them as you say, they all go together. Yeah, yeah. And if people are looking, I mean, I'm sure there'll be people listening into this and thinking, gosh, I really need to check my iodine. How would you check it? 
Well, you would normally do it through a urine test. You'd do it through a, a nutritional therapist normally. Mm-hmm. Um, you would do a urine test. And there's a couple you can do. You can do one which is just a urine test and it sees what you're excreting. Um, you can do also um, one that where you load yourself with iodine, first of all. Um, so you take quite a high dose. So it's not dangerous, but you take quite a high dose. Um, and then you collect urine for 24 hours and you send a small sample off so they can see what you required out of that dose and what you excreted so what you didn't need right. um, and that can help you to work out whether someone needs to top up and it is a, a top up process over a two three months a very gentle increase and then you're testing and decreasing again back to the maintenance so you're not staying at high doses very long but yeah. some people do need that and obviously there is foods too you know we've all our we need sea cork fish yeah um, we need sea foods like um as in sea vegetables, like, you know, uh, samphire and seaweed. Um, but, but this then comes back to sourcing our food, doesn't it? Because is it actually in seawater? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's a good point, isn't it? And not only yeah. that, but so few of us eat enough. I think I read a statistic the yes. other day, you know, four out of five people in the UK don't eat any fish. Four out of five. Yes. I mean, that's, that's crazy, isn't it? We live on an and, island. And- I know. And in Japan, you know, where they've got a lower incidence of things like breast cancer and thyroid issues, you know, they're having um, seafood, you know, sea, sea court something um, yeah. six times a week. Gosh, it's incredible difference, isn't it? And that, and that yeah. goes to show the sort of cultural influence. And I think these yeah. things that can actually change over time um, subtly, yes. but we don't notice they're happening until we have a whole nation of people that are deficient in you know certain areas. So, I mean, it's clear to me talking to you today that the knowledge that you have around thyroid in particular, I mean, you, you're going to have that laser focus on an area that's affected you personally. But how would you say, you know, now having had that diagnosis and thank goodness, you know, getting through it and coming out the other side has changed your approach to your role as a nutritionist therapist yeah I mean I, I guess it gives you more empathy with people yeah. for, for starters um, and again going back to the lady that put a post in on, on your um, advert for t- t- today and she was saying about worrying about extra cancers and I think that's something that stays with you yeah um, is that the, the minute you you find a bit of lumpy tissue in your breast or your you know, your, your bowel movements don't feel quite right. Your, your brain goes straight into, is this another cancer? Mm. Because you kind of think, well, maybe I've got a propensity. And, um, so I, I actually trained, um, with, um, doing DNA life post cancer as well. Okay. Um, because, um, yeah, because I, yeah, because I wanted to understand really what, what my genetic predisposition was. Uh, so we we know, don't we, that, you know, your genes don't guarantee you're going to get anything or not get anything. Um, but what's your propensity, um, I think, is the thing, isn't it? And yeah. and mine was particularly was that I make inflammation very easily. Interesting. And that was through DNA life that you learned about that. That was through DNA life. And, mm. and what I love about the, the genetic testing that I do is that it's all about um, how can you switch off and on uh, DNA with food so it's not about any medical diagnosis of anything it's just you know well do you need to eat more berries or actually you know I need to have really high doses of omega-3s um, to keep that inflammation at bay yeah. 
you know so it's it's about changing what you eat and the balance as opposed to thinking gosh this is a life sentence of something which is what i, I like it's a very a very positive actionable um test yeah and this is the thing isn't it it's the power of food you know it's around Absolutely. us all the time and i think we and I, I noticed this very quickly studying nutrition. I think I looked at the world around me and thought, everyone's so weight focused. It's just yes. one. It's just one view, one aspect, one perspective. But it's not about weight at all. It's about how healthy you are and you doing the right things for your own body. And I think what you're talking about here is understanding your own body. And sometimes, even though you were already interested in nutrition and working with people, having your own sort of, let's call it a health challenge or health crisis, whatever it is, it really focuses you on you you know the person and how you can best treat your body so just from a very personal perspective I mean how has what you do changed because you're already eating well right but now you're eating more specific to your health so how has what you do changed um yeah so as I say definitely the omegas definitely taking high dose you know so I'll take like six six high dose capsules a day um, to really, really, really keep um, those uh, pro-inflammatory fats. So I've got basically I've got fast enzymes um, that will move, move omega-6 fats to arachidonic acid, so pro-inflammatory fats very quickly. So I have to kind of try and cut them off at the pass with um, with omega-3s. Um, and then I actually, um, you know, I, what I discovered was I wasn't dairy intolerant or gluten intolerant or anything like that so I actually what I've tried to do is eat as broadly as possible because I think one of the challenges for people when they go and see a nutritional therapist is they they feel like they've got to cut stuff out yeah um and and I think you know yes if you're celiac for example or you're dairy intolerant you absolutely need to cut that out but if you are able to eat these foods if you eat them in very small quantities um which means you get more variety um I think that's better. So I've tried not to become uh, too strict on my food, you know, because I think that can create another stress. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, eating berries every day, you know, eating different colored berries, um, as I say, lots of different colored vegetables. I've always loved vegetables anyway. And, and really just sourcing good quality proteins. I still eat red meat and, and chicken and, and things, but it's about, you know, I want it to be grass-fed meat and, and things like that. So I know that the animals have been fed really well. Yeah, and that's it. It's the quality rather than necessarily the quantity, but it's also yeah. the variety. Just going back to that point about omega-3s, I think it's a really important yes. one. I don't want to get too technical for people, but I think no. it's important to talk about the fact that, you know, again, as a nation, we are too, ratio-wise, we're too high in our omega-6s, too low in our omega-3s. And that comes back to eating um oily fish in particular doesn't it um yes. salmon mackerel anchovies sardines herring all of those but you're actually supplementing because for you you need an even higher dose than that fish could possibly exactly. provide um yeah. and then what about omega-6 is do you not eat so many sources of omega-6 or yeah, do you- so i wouldn't eat yeah i wouldn't I would, I would avoid you know processed foods where a lot of the hidden omega-6s are um, and I wouldn't use any vegetable oils um, that are omega-6. So, you know, I wouldn't use sunflower oil or rapeseed oil or or any of those. But I would use, um, you know, a little bit of flaxseed oil and, um, you know, the nuts and seeds like, as I say, like flax seeds and things like that, I would. Mm. So I'd probably use the nuts and the seeds whole rather than the extractions. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? The more processed a food is, 
the more likely it's it's going to have problems. So, um, you know, eating that raw, that, you know, the, the, the original food yeah. is probably the way I've gone. Let really. us do the work. Let our bodies do the work. Exactly. <laughs> this is fascinating. Exactly. Um, yeah. Right. If you're just tuning in, uh, I'm, I'm talking to Laura, who's a, a registered nutritional therapist and a thyroid cancer survivor, which is why we're focusing heavily on, on thyroid. And I would actually, we're just going to take a, a very short break, but Laura, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about how nutritional therapy can play a role in general thyroid health, um, you know, more broadly as well. Sure. So we'll back yeah. in just a moment. Just a moment. Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The voice, River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome back to Let's Do Lunch on River Radio. I'm Jenny Tishi, and today I'm joined by Laura, who is a nutritional therapist. We've been talking a little bit about her thyroid cancer and how she survived that, but also how that has created a focus on her role as a nutritional therapist in working with people, not just people with thyroid health issues, but I think it's a really relevant topic. So, um, Laura, could you tell us a little bit about the relationship between nutrition and the thyroid itself i think it's a really important connection that people don't often yes, make abs- absolutely so i think you know we we know the thyroid sort of sits in the in the neck it's a butterfly shape but we kind of assume that that everything happens in the thyroid um and, and of course it doesn't so it you know thyroid um, thyroid health kind of starts in the pituitary um which sends a message to the thyroid and then we're sending uh t4 which is our um you know, the, the main thing that we, we convert into T3 um, to the liver and then onto the gut. And then eventually that ends up in the cells um, to be energy. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot of processes and a lot of enzymes and, and things that go on to make all of that happen. And um, because of that, we need lots of different nutrients to make it all work well. You know, the, the common ones we know about um, would be vitamin D, B12, good iron or ferritin levels, we need a good source of protein, we need a good gut microbiome, we need a good functioning liver, um, you know, the, the, and selenium, we need all these things um, to make it all work. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the whole body process, you're actually right, yes. again, you know, we're so keen to kind of isolate parts of the body, areas of the body, functions of the body. And we even do it, we say, go and see, you know, ear, nose and throat specialist or, you know, go and see a um, gastroenterologist. But actually, it is all linked, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And, and the way I liken it to is your central heating system. So if you imagine your pituitary is your thermostat in the hall and your boiler is your thyroid and the rest of your body are all the radiators in your house, um, you know, the thermostat is only picking up the temperature kind of in the hall, isn't it? But you could have a freezing cold radiator in the bedroom and, and you know, the, your GP makes sure your thermostat's working okay with your TSH blood, but doesn't actually check whether the radiators are hot yeah. upstairs <laughs> That's uh, and whether the, whether the boilers, whether the boilers even working. Because um, oh it's that feedback, isn't it? It's a feedback mechanism in exactly the same way as your heating in your house. Oh, do you know what? That is such a great analogy. I think that really helps people understand. It certainly helps me. And, you know, I thought I understood it, but I think you're right. You know, we, we why would we be looking at just one thing when actually all these other things could be, you know, playing a part? So, you know, this is the thing. And I think Again, when it comes to the foods that could support all of those different processes, you've talked about vitamin D, vitamin B12, iron. Uh, what else did you talk about? 
gut health. You talked about microbiome, in protein, selenium, iodine, you know, all of these things. You know, it, it, it all comes from a real food diet, doesn't it? So I'm going back to that it point you know, I made about um, people talking about their weight and their size. And, then you know, we must look a particular way. And I think that's certainly only exacerbated by the likes of social media. But it's actually, you know, here we're talking about the fundamental running of essential heating, you know, of your... <laughs> of all of your internal systems. So are there any particular, um, you know, food groups that you think if people were thinking, gosh, I'd like to focus a little bit more on my thyroid health or any particular food groups that you think people should be looking at? Well, I I think, you know, when you get a food diary in from someone, um, I'm always looking to make sure they're eating enough protein. Yeah. um, Making sure they're eating, you know, enough prebiotic foods. So in other words, foods that, that will feed, feed the gut. Um, and also some probiotic foods, you know, if they can if they can eat things like Greek yogurt, for example, um, you know, so looking for that that in their diet. Also, um, you know, if someone is vegetarian or vegan, you'd maybe just be looking to see whether they're getting a good supply of B12 and vitamin D. Um, are they supplementing? Have they had that checked? Um, and going back to what we talked about earlier on, obviously, the iodine iodine side of things making sure they're getting some good sources whether that's a you know a, a seaweed type source if they're vegetarian or vegan or whether they're they're getting in plenty of fish um because i think the iodized salt you know the table yeah. salt actually that form of iodine doesn't really it's not really the one that we that we need i know it helps to it supposedly helps to um reduce goiters doesn't it where the, the thyroid swells yeah um, and um, and that was introduced many years ago because people weren't eating enough fish. Um, That's interesting. Gosh. And yeah, the, whether- you make a good point there about veganism and um, you know to a degree vegetarianism. It, it if it I mean it does seem to be on the rise. Um, certainly, there seem to be increasing numbers of people moving to a more plant based diet. And I think it's important that you acknowledge that you have to be aware of your intake of B twelve, of iron, of vitamin D, of iodine because it is slightly harder, isn't it, on a plant a completely plant based diet. Yes. And I think, you know, as I said um, before, when I became vegetarian, I became really interested in making sure I got all my nutrients. I, I, you know, I, I got a book by a woman called Sarah Brown. It's a really old book. I've still got it. Um, and it was a vegetarian cookbook. But in the back, it had all the all the vitamins and minerals and the food sources, you know. And so there were, there were plenty there, but it just took a little bit more work to just make sure I was covered off. Now, of course, we can get unhealthy omnivores as much as we can get unhealthy vegans, can't we? Yeah. Um, but I, but I do think if you know you've got a thyroid condition, you whatever you choose to eat, you do need to be looking at those nutrients. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really eye-opening as well, just the range, because we're not just talking about the function of the thyroid, we're talking about its place within the body. So um, yeah. moving on a little bit, because I, I could see, um, the, and I know that you've trained, you're a member of the Institute for Functional Medicine. Can you explain a little bit about how functional medicine differs from perhaps, or is complementary to, um, traditional medicine? Yeah, so I think with functional medicine, what I really love, and we've been talking about already, is it's the cause of the cause, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, whereas, whereas you know, modern medicine is about, well, how can we suppress a symptom? Um, you know, so if you're in pain, we'll give you a painkiller. But actually what we would say is, well, what's causing the pain? How can we deal with, with, with those symptoms so that the pain goes away? So, you know, I, I always talk to people about, the relationship between sugar, insulin, and then switching on pain and inflammation receptors in the body. So you cut your sugar down, 
insulin goes down and lo and behold, we're not feeling as much pain, you know. So it's just a very different way of approaching it, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's spot on. And then how would you say your training within functional medicine has helped your nutritional therapy practice? So I think it does really encourage you to go right back um, in terms of people's health journey. You know, even from being a baby, how were they born? What was, you know, what was the pregnancy like? Um, because we're learning more, aren't we, about, you know, genes even being switched on before we're born. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, really understanding that full journey. And I think part of that, which I really love as well, is that people feel heard. Yeah. Um, because I think today, you know, I, I know doctors are under a lot of pressure and I have huge respect for what they do. Um, but they only get 10 minutes with someone and, and that you don't get a family doctor the way you used to, do you really? You, you're seeing someone different most times. So to be to be heard for an hour, to tell your story of what's happened to you in its own right helps people, I think. Yeah, I read this morning in the paper as well that apparently the booking systems for GPs is 50, 55% of people find them too difficult to actually book on. So that's a bit of a concern. Yeah. Um, and then yes. I also noticed that, uh, and I know we've talked a little bit about this, but you've, you've completed the Penny Bron, um Cancer Training for Nutritional Therapists. Can you explain a little bit more to our listeners, like what is that? And, you know, what has that given you in terms of, again, an additional um, element yeah. to your practice? So, um, first of all, Penny Bron, if people don't know what that is, it's a, a centre in uh, near Bristol yeah. um, for cancer patients. So, you can go for a bit of respite. Um, they do cookery courses. They do painting. They do meditation. They do yoga. They do walks. Um, and I don't think it costs a lot to go or it may even be free to go for a couple of days. So, it's a, a brilliant cancer centre for, for patients. And, and I think you can even go with, with someone as well. And so I went and stayed there overnight. There was a whole load of us went down. Um, and what was really good was that um, what, what we have to be careful as uh, at, as nutritional therapists and perhaps people going through cancer is that we need to make sure that we're not undermining the treatment that we're going through, so the chemotherapy. Um, so, for example, if they are putting in a whole load of what we call free radicals, so things that are going to go around your body and destroy things, mm -hmm. and we decide to, to drink lots of green tea and have lots of fruits and vegetables and antioxidants while that treatment's in progress, actually we can dampen the efficacy yeah. of the treatment while it's doing its work. And, and, you know, I think that's in our minds, we probably want to be doing all of that all the time. But actually... If we are doing chemotherapy, we need to go with it for a while and then recover afterwards. Yeah, I think that's a really, I mean, it's, it's a key point, isn't it? I think people make, yeah. a, uh, you know, eating this particular way, a, a natural, healthy way, all times for all people, but there are exceptions. And that's a very clear and obvious one when you understand how chemotherapy actually works. And mm. in, in, in terms of what that has allowed, you know, that understanding uh, of working with cancer patients i mean do you see cancer patients do you see lots of cancer patients in your in your I, practice I, yeah i haven't i haven't kind of put my my stall out there as you know um, a, a cancer nutritional therapist because i i think although we did two three days i feel you know because of the situation somebody's in i think you need much more extensive training yeah um because as i say you could be undermining a medical treatment so i think You've got to be really, really careful what you do. And you've really got to be collaborating, haven't you, at yeah. this point? You know, we're not, 
we're not alternative therapists we are complementary which means we are, we work alongside the medical world um so i i you know as i say i think it's more about supporting someone between treatments understanding what the treatment is so i would still work with someone if they came to me and asked um but i would be saying to them i'm not going to offer you an alternative cure to what the medical world's doing. I'm going to support you to be as well and as healthy as you can. So, for example, you know, if your mouth is really sore and you're finding it difficult to, to chew, then obviously I can support you with, with easy smoothies. And if you're losing lots of weight, again, I can help you build a, a, a weight-gaining smoothie. So that's where I would see I would work with people. That makes sense. That makes total sense. And I think, you know, for me, I'm looking at you as, as someone working with people on a one-to-one basis, as well as other things that you do. But just adding those layers of knowledge, one on top of the other, functional medicine, Penny Brown Cancer, uh, DNA, life practitioner, metabolic balance coach, you know, you have so much knowledge that you can then help your, your clients with. Um, we actually haven't talked about the metabolic balance side of things. Do you want to explain mm. what that is to people yes. as well? Absolutely. So, um, you know, some people, uh, uh, metabolic balance was developed, I think, probably about 30 years ago now by a doctor from FAC in um, Germany. Um, so it's mainly used for weight loss. Okay. Um, so people do a really big blood test um, and then they are given a tailored plan um, and then from there they, they follow that plan. So it's, you know, it's three meals a day, five-hour gaps between meals, so kind of mini fasts between between those meals. Um, and, and people do, you know, by and large, lose about 12 kilos in 12 weeks, roughly. But actually, when I look at what, what happens to people going through that program, because it balances the metabolism, uh, you know, people who've got really bad migraines, they disappear. People with um, hot flushes, they disappear. Uh, people who've had high blood pressure because they lose weight, their blood pressure starts to normalise and they can go back to their GP and maybe come off their, their meds if their GP feels that's relevant. Um, you know, uh, the menstrual cycles start to go back to 28 days. There's all sorts of systems start to reset themselves um, because the metabolism is starting to function as it ought to. Um, and part of that is just having a lot, a lot less insulin flying around in their systems. That's interesting, isn't it? So, so when people come see you, you sort of, you know, let's say someone came, I'm just not feeling right, Laura. Um, would you sort of pick things out of the, the bag and say, right, well, I think that one's right for you? Or like, how would that integrate with other things that you work on? Yeah, so, uh, you know, you, you, it's a conversation, isn't it, for starters, with, with the client in terms of where they're at with their food, you know, um, some people are very close to something like metabolic balance. Other people are way, way, way down the other end of the, of the spectrum. But you could almost um, put every client you see on metabolic balance as your first job. Yeah. Um, and, and see what resets, what it sorts itself out and what's left kind of thing. You know, um, you, you can use it for weight gain as well. In fact, for some people, it should you wish to. And you can do it also for sports. So. So, yes, you're, you're making me think I should use it more often. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have um, these conversations, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is. It is, isn't it? Um, because actually, as I say, it, it does seem to just do this rebalancing. And I think what's great about our bodies is they are always trying to repair, aren't they? They're always trying to recover. Yeah. Um, 
they want to be well and you know everything working properly um so if we give it the tools the building blocks to do it um it will try and revert as much as it can Uh, that's a really key point i also think there's a lot that the body tells us in terms of the feedback mechanisms that we over the course of time have stopped listening to um a bit like your point about pain you know because a long long time ago we wouldn't have had paracetamol or ibuprofen or anything like that we would have found either natural cures or we would have done something to address the cause of the pain we would have known what caused it so we'd probably either try and reverse that or just don't do the thing that we puts us in more pain yeah i think those feedback mechanisms we've sort of lost a little bit of that kind of connection with haven't we yeah and as you say pain particularly is is a signal to say something's not right and if we're just masking it i mean i don't know about you but we're watching the 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 open up in scotland and tiger woods is playing um and he had a really nasty accident uh year 18 months ago and he really shouldn't be doing that golf tournament and you can see the pain on his face and you just wonder what is he taking to get him through Mm. that tournament and and what is he what damage is he doing because his body's clearly saying you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing this yeah Um, and what are the long-term effects of that as well Freddie Flintoff has been quite open about that as well he was taking so he was having so many um you know steroid injections and um anti-inflammatory injections to try and get him through those matches at the end of his career that you know he is in pain every day now it's it's not a good place to be and it's hard to reverse it isn't it yeah yeah yeah. interesting um so yeah we talked a lot today about your work as a nutritional therapist running your practice nutritional benefits in Berkshire but you also do other things don't you there are other strings to your bow now I know you've done a little bit of uh, well quite a lot of tv and radio work um so can you tell us a little bit about what other things you do as a nutritional therapist and beyond yeah Yes, yeah, so I, you know, a bit, I think you and I are quite similar in that we love talking about nutrition, don't we? Um, <laughs> Can't stop us. So, uh, you know, so over the years, uh, you know, did have done quite a lot of work for, for Radio Berkshire on their wellbeing panels and, you know, little phone-in things. Um, and, and through that, uh, one of their researchers then um, put me forward for some, some work with Radio 5 Live. Oh, cool. um, so I was a, a midnight expert with them for a while, so I was on... I was on the radio at midnight for an hour. Um, <laughs> but it was hard to sleep which, after that. Yeah, um, which was, um, yeah, and it's sort of buzzing once you finished. Yeah. And it was live radio and it was people phoning in with questions. Wow. Put it on the um, spot and it was, at midnight. Wow. It, on the spot. And very occasionally the producer would say, um, I've got so-and-so with this. Would you be able to answer that? And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Uh, and, you know, obviously you're giving very careful advice to someone you've never met. You yeah. know, it's very broad advice and everything like that. But I really loved that. Um, and then through that, my name got onto the database for the BBC. Um, so I went up to London and did BBC News one of the days about um, processed foods and, and what children are eating. Um, Sky then asked me to do a few uh, sessions. So they came to the house. The kids thought it was great. They came <laughs> to the house with the big Sky dish and, and, and we broadcast from the home. Before the days of Zoom, this was, um, and then <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was, I was. They would just do it on Zoom now, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, and then I was um, also asked to go on the um, Victoria Derbyshire show to talk about um, detox diets. Oh wow! So, so yeah, lots, lots of fun. Really, really enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of scary, but 
at the same time, it's just such a buzz as well to, to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and I think it's a test, isn't it? Of your, um, cause, because you are trying to give advice, but you're trying to give it in a way that is helpful enough. Yes. Um, but that, you know, you're, you're not going to, it's a little bit like when you get a doctor on the telly, you're not going to have somebody having a diagnosis right there and then on the sofa, no. um, you know, with a prescription for this supplement or these pills or whatever. It is quite generic, but it has to be because you have to be a bit careful about it. But it is about helping people with probably a lot of people, actually, with some probably fairly um, kind of widespread health issues of which there are many. I know we focus quite heavily today on thyroid cancer and, you know, to a degree cancers. But, you know, there are so many things that there are benefits to a real focus on real food. Um, so yes. many health areas. So um, if people, I mean, today I, we've had so we've covered a lot of ground and I think we've hopefully helped people identify a little bit more about kind of the, the healthy eating side of things. Um, if people have been interested in, in what you've had to say, where, where could they find out more about what it is that you do and, um, you know, stay in touch with you? Yeah. So, so my website is nutritionalbenefits.co.uk. Um, my Facebook page, you could, you can search nutritional benefits, but I think the short form is met to be for life, which was short for metabolic balance for life. So M E T four, the number four, and then, so met B number four life. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, uh, just Laura DLH zero one, uh, for Instagram. Um, Maybe it's an age thing. I do more probably on Facebook than I do on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm trying. And, and I'm obviously and I'm obviously on LinkedIn as well. But I think also it's about your demographic, isn't it? It's mm. about if you know if, if I'm working with mainly people probably 40s and 50s, they're probably more likely to be on Facebook than Instagram anyway, aren't they? So yeah, absolutely. So um, well, let's yeah. let's just take a brief pause. I'd love to find out you know what you are up to right now and what your plans are for the future after this break. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome back, everyone. This is Let's Do Lunch. I'm your host, Jenny Tishy, and this is a show all about food and nutrition. Uh, so I'm actually a nutritional therapist, and today I've been joined by fellow nutritional therapist, Laura Delahart from Nutritional Benefits, which is based in Berkshire. And Laura is a thyroid cancer survivor, and she's been talking quite extensively today about um, that and also her experiences and how her experiences have led her to be hyper aware of thyroid health so um hopefully we have covered areas in fact we are going to make sure that we do cover the questions that have come in um via social media as well but we'll come on to that um laura what are you up to at the moment and what are your plans for the future so yes so i um Work-wise, I'm um, working at a clinic in Maidenhead, um, Active Health Clinics, which is a chiropractic clinic, which which I love. Um, and I've just recently moved to Newbury, so I'm just setting up um, my home clinic. Um, so kind of starting from scratch in Newbury in in many ways, which is which is exciting actually. Um, kind of going back and and you know uh, creating that local interest in what I do yeah um and then in lockdown um I also set up a company called workplace wellness um with my partner um to to do more corporate uh business work on helping organizations with their their corporate well-being their staff well-being um because I think you know a lot of emphasis was put on mental health well-being within an organization which I think is you know has been very very important 
But I think also, as you and I know, what we eat also influences our mood and our energy and our concentration and all those things. So yeah. um, I think I think there's a place definitely for for more more work in that area in organisations. Yeah, and more TV work, more uh, radio. Oh, I'd work. love to. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I need to again. I probably need to reach out to some people and um, and, and and get working on that because yeah, I I love the radio work particularly. Um, maybe I, sh- I should get learn some things from you on 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 how to maybe do some podcasts or something like that yeah. my, my son does does podcasts and um yeah he's done well with that so uh, yeah i okay, think there's okay. a whole new world yeah, a whole new world yeah no we'll get you involved don't you worry uh, so um we did have uh so questions from social media um so i put out a little post about uh, the fact i'll be talking to laura today and we actually had someone get in touch who's not only training to be a nutritional therapist but has also survived thyroid cancer so perfect topic for you today so here we go um i'm scared of developing a second cancer as i didn't have any of the risk factors for this one so i've been concentrating on reducing my toxic load but it's very overwhelming and not sure the best places to start with skincare cooking utensils etc etc should we start with that laura is there any advice that you yes. can provide absolutely well i would just say when i completely empathize with all of that and and the first thing i did once i'd got through my surgery was i went and saw a nutritional therapist <laughs> um, because i needed someone to look at me from the outside and give me a steer on what to do first because it was so overwhelming in terms of thinking, well, I need to change this and that and this and that. And it, you just can't make yeah, all those I mean, changes. You I've need done to the make, same thing. Yeah, it's important. You know, one, it? one or two. Is, yeah, it is really important. You know, we, we are experts, but in terms of our own health, we need someone on the outside. So I would I would thoroughly recommend doing the, the, the DNA testing I talked about, the DNA life, DNA mm-hmm. health. Um, but with someone so they can do the analysis and, and help you through that. Um, because, again, we, we when we look introspectively, I think it's difficult. And, yeah, I think you can look at, um, you know, where toxins might be coming from. But as I say, I'm sure for me, part of it was my life yeah, um, and the stress I was going through. So so sometimes, you know, we, we have to look at places maybe that, that we wouldn't sort of think are nutritional, but that's why, you know, when we see people, we're looking at lifestyle, aren't we? We're looking at exercise. We're looking at how people sleep and and, and how they are as a being, aren't we? Because we know that changes their physiology. So, um, yeah, I would definitely work with somebody to help. It doesn't have to be me either, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would work with – I'm not touting for business, but I would say work with somebody – um, that can help you through that process, definitely. Yeah, sound like you'd be a very good person to talk to there. Um, what about, uh, so this is another question, same person, but um, uh, daily struggle with lower energy and weight gain since having a total thyroidectomy. Now, we talked about this briefly before the show, Laura, that uh, a total thyroidectomy is is often the treatment. Um, so without your thyroid, what what could you help or what could you advise this person um, to help with energy and weight? Yeah, so um, I think, what what did I do? I suppose that's probably one of the things I look at. Um, I, I really reviewed my, my my diet to make sure that my blood sugar was really balanced, that I was eating enough protein, that I was watching out for all those hidden sugars in my food, um, really making sure I got a good night's sleep. That's mm. one of the things that, that made such a difference to me. Um, that if, if you don't sleep when you've got no thyroid, it, you really are starting, you know, 10 paces back in the morning. 
Um, looking at also timing of medication. Some people do better taking their medication at night. Some people do better taking their medication in the morning. Is that based on um, chronotype? I, I don't know. I think, you know, when you look at conversion of T4 to T3, um, cortisol interferes with that. And ideally, your cortisol is at its lowest at night and its highest in the morning. So mm. I, I take mine at night in the hope that my conversion overnight has got its best chance of converting versus in the morning when my cortisol is at its highest. Interesting. Um, we go. But I what really I always useful. say to people is try it and see how you feel because we're all different. So some people feel better taking it at night some people feel better taking it in the morning and mistakes some people make are things like they're they're swallowing their their levothyroxine with 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 a milky coffee uh, and we know calcium and caffeine interferes with absorption um so sometimes people are just taking it wrong um and then the other things that i looked at was was things like b vitamins um and also coenzyme q10 which is that energy energy vitamin um, and I find I do much better if I'm taking CoQ10 every day. I mean, there are food sources, but they're they're mainly animal animal sources, so not everyone's doing that. Um, and you know, beyond 40, we make less CoQ10 anyway. So um, I put that in, and then I again worked on liver, worked on gut, that whole process, worked on stress, mm-hmm. um, and and I you know I I feel great, um, but but I know my reserves are are, are lower than than they were before so I have to be quite careful about how much I do you know yeah yeah so all the things that you probably should have been really really focused on before like sleep yeah <laughs> it just yes. became even more so actually you know I think I, I think there's definitely a very clear message in there and I think the sleep thing oh my golly it's so yes. important isn't it and I think it's becoming people are becoming so much more aware of how important sleep is there's been some amazing books some fantastic podcasts um and it, it really does affect your life on a day-to-day basis but especially without a thyroid now, Absolutely. Um, Laura, is there anything else you would like to add before we move on to the quick fire questions? Sure. I mean, just um, just on the sleep one, um, I invested in an Aura ring, so O-U-R-A, um, and it, it, it just looks like a ring on your hand. Um, and that measures your sleep and your heart rate and, and all that kind of stuff. And that, for me, has been really pivotal in refining what I do you know yeah um so because it measures your sleep so for example um if i have an alcoholic drink mm-hmm. uh, my resting heart rate overnight might be 78 80 um if i've eaten really well really healthily had no alcohol done some exercise you know had a had a, a good balanced day my resting heart rate could be 55 that's a massive difference um, that's a massive difference and and um when you're when you have no thyroid initially they suppress your uh, thyroglobulin, which are these little transport mechanisms. Um, so your, your, your T4 is up at like 24 to 30. Wow. So you're, you're almost like someone with grades. Yeah. You know, so your heart is, is hammering, really is. It's almost like, um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and they kind of say, well, actually, you, you might die earlier because you're, 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 you know, your heart's only got so many beats and you're getting through them a bit quicker. Thanks for that. Um, so I, I'm really doing my best to keep my heart rate heart rate down, um, and so the, the the hour ring and there are obviously other things on my Fitbits and, and other things, but you know that's really helped me to kind of do this. Well, I'll make a change. What does it do? You know, and be very active in in improving my energy and my sleep. 
just it's just really inspiring talking to you. I, I, I mean, and obviously you've had a very good reason to want to make these changes, but I think the, the point is there are so many people that sort of don't, and I know you already had an interest in nutrition, but it's it's lovely to know that you've managed to very seemingly easily sort of slip into this sort of hyper focus for all the all the right reasons, but mm. uh, it's sort of brought out in you this you know greater interest in thyroid health and certainly helping yeah. others. No one ever does this job <laughs> so selfishly; you do it to help other people. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? I, yeah. I, I feel no, like I think that's it, really. Yeah, yeah, we've we've covered a lot of ground, and it's been really interesting. So thank you. So here we go. We're on to the quick fire questions. Um, what would be your last meal on earth? Oh gosh, in an ideal world, it would be my mother's Sunday roast. Oh wow, go on. What would be in um, that? Well, my mum always jokes that she does meat and eight veg, and she literally does. You know, and and growing up, my my dad always has grown his own vegetables. So it would all be from the garden. It would all be fresh produce, literally dug up and cooked. You know, Um, there would obviously be two kinds of potato as well, as well. And a massive and a massive Yorkshire pudding because we're from the northeast. You know, it would be the size of your plate kind of thing. Um, With the dinner be inside it. Yeah, but you would have, um, you know, as I say, cabbage, carrots, uh, broccoli, peas, swede, oh, parsnips, wow. you know, there would be just a huge range. And and the other thing that my dad always did was he always made his own, what he called mint salad. So we would have it, whatever the Sunday roast was. Um, and he would, he would get mint from the garden. He would get spring onions and, and lettuce and he would chop it all down and, and put a bit of vinegar and a little bit of sugar and, and water and make this mint salad, you know? Yes. And, and I just think, and it was all from scratch, all of it, the whole meal. <laughs> that is brilliant. You know? That is absolutely And so that, that would be for me. And, and obviously it just brings you back to, you know, your childhood, doesn't mm. it? When you, when you think back to some of those family meals. So that absolutely. would be it for me. That's lovely. And I love the fact that the vegetables come from your, your father. Oh gosh, yeah. Lot, All from know. the garden. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and then who would you say has been your biggest inspiration? Well, I, I struggled a little bit with this one because there's obviously different parts of my life. But I thought from a nutrition point of view, it would be Patrick Holford. Yeah. Because I, I kind of think had I not read a lot of his very, as I say, very accessible books, you know, that balance of enough technical but not blowing your mind um i wouldn't have i wouldn't have seen in the back of his book the institute for optimal nutrition and and done the course you know so i think that has to be one of my inspirational people yeah that's wonderful it's very similar story actually i remember i was standing in the queue in one of the big supermarkets and picked up the book and read the bit at the back about the course so there you go yeah um so um if you were to have a fantasy dinner party which three people would you invite and why well, uh, this one is a little bit of fun, really, because I took the word fantasy, literally, <laughs> and, and, and I decided I would have some Marvel characters. Brilliant. So I'd have, I'd have Thor, I'd have um, Iron Man, and I'd have Captain America. <laughs> and why just, not? <laughs> because as a family, I think we have watched every single Marvel film, and, and my kids are, are like, if, if, I've, if I said, right, I'm going to watch this one, they were like, no, 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 you've got to watch the, the two and three before that you can't can't watch them in the wrong order so we're quite geeky in in yes. that way yeah, um, yeah, yeah so yeah so i think something like that would be a lot of fun so i just literally took the the fantasy element um as, as you said it brilliant brilliant <laughs> i love that that's i'd have to say they've never actually come up on that question before i get lots of you know prime ministers and royalty and all sorts i've exactly. never had marvel characters 
Love that. Yeah, Left I just thought, you thinking. know, that's, I, I, that's too cliched. I'm going to have to go with something a little yeah. different. <laughs> that's brilliant. Oh, Laura, it's been brilliant to talk to you. I know we've oh, known each other. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for coming on the show. I know we've known each other for a very long time, but I mean, I, I knew you pre and post uh, your cancer journey. And I think that has been so inspiring to hear about today. And I think for anybody listening in, the importance of thyroid health, I think, is clear. Um, and certainly... I've learned things today. I've obviously I know about the importance of sleep, but I think your point in relation to, you know, if you don't have a thyroid, if your thyroid isn't working as well, sleep mm. is super, super important. I've learned about the um, difference in when you take your medication. So it might work for some to take it in the morning. It might take for some in the evening. And the point about not taking your medication alongside a milky coffee, for example, I think that's a really important thing. So many people do if they take it in the morning and they have their morning coffee. And, you know, all of the layers of different training and qualifications you've done from uh, the Penny Bron cancer training to the DNA life um, coaching that you do, the metabolic balance coaching that you do it, it's and the functional medicine as well it's just it's brilliant to to talk to somebody that is so knowledgeable um in their area so thank you for coming on the show thank you for sharing what you know and beyond um and if anybody wants to get in touch with laura please do um she is on facebook you mentioned at nutritional benefits um but it's is it met to be for life isn't it your yes. if you want yes, to it research is. under it yeah, yeah. um and Laura Delaharp, and if you and your website, sorry, what was that? Nutritionalbenefits.co.uk. That's nice and easy, and I guess all of your social media connections are on there. Is there yeah. a newsletter or anything that people can sign up to? Um, no, that is something I need to restart. I yeah. need to give myself a kick up, kick up the bottom on that one, but there will be, there will be. So I think you can subscribe, and then I will, I will add people. Wonderful. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening in today. Um, this is Let's Do Lunch on River Radio. I'm Jenny Tishi, and if you join us again uh, next week, we shall have Adam Simmons, who is uh, certainly was a Michelin star chef, but is going to be sharing a very personal story with us as well. Um, thank you, Laura. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.